is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Wednesday edition of Talk Back, and Talk Back is brought to you this morning by Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery. Authentic New York bagels and pastries all the way from Little Italy, flown in fresh from New York, can be found right here in Missoula at Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery out on North Reserve. Also brought to you by Phillips Chanatorial. You got the holidays, you need your house or business cleaned, and you don't have time to do it, call Phillips Janitorial because no job is too big or small. They're number 26066. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. A busy morning this morning on uh, this Wednesday edition of TalkBack. Bob Seidenschwartz is going to be joining us here in the studio here in just a few minutes. But right now, Governor Greg Gianforte is on the line with us right now from his office there in Helena. Governor, good morning and congratulations to your, your favorite team, the Montana State Bobcats. Well, thank you, Peter. And how about them cats? Boy, they're looking good this year. Semifinalists, semifinal this weekend. Hopefully the championship coming up soon. Well, the, unfortunately, they have to travel this time. Uh, they, they've had for the friendly confines of Bobcat Stadium. At least they don't have to go someplace warm. <laughs> it's just, that would be terrible. I, I was that just didn't work out so well for William and Mary. Yeah, I, I was just teasing you that uh, we're going to have to get Touchdown Tommy a long sleeve shirt, but he, because he he evidently somebody stole all the the long sleeve shirts out of his locker. That must be it. Well, I don't think I don't think we should change <laughs> anything the way they're playing. <laughs> and you had and congratulations again. Okay, so yeah, let, thank you. Let's talk about. Uh, we only have fifteen minutes, so I want to talk a little bit here about the budget for Montana families. I know the legislature is coming up. All sorts of things have been proposed. What is your plan? Yeah, so we rolled this out a few weeks ago. We've been getting positive feedback. I think we can always make it better. But here are the. The top four things, Peter. Number one, we have a billion dollars in tax reductions and rebates in this budget, including a $1,200 child credit. This is going to help lower-income families with young kids and a $5,000 adoption credit so we can get kids out of foster care. That's number one. we got to give money back we, because of our fiscal conservatism we have, and federal spending, we have a surplus. Second thing you do when you get a little surplus at home is you you fix things up. So we've been kicking the can down the road on the state hospital for a long time, and we uh, we need to invest in community-based mental health. So we put a couple hundred uh, million dollars, $300 million into the state hospital. Same thing at the prison. And then we also created an infrastructure fund. We're proposing this to help with new infrastructure because with the existing programs, we only pay for replacing existing infrastructure. And geez, we got all these people moving here. We need more houses. The third thing, when you get a little extra money at home, you save. So we doubled the rainy day fund. We tripled the fire suppression fund. And we created a portion of the fire suppression fund we can now use for forest mitigation. And then finally, uh, when you get a little extra money, you make an extra credit card payment. You make an extra mortgage payment. We're taking that further we're proposing that we pay off all the state debt. We'll be debt-free in 23 if this budget gets adopted. And that'll save taxpayers 
uh, about $40 million over the next two years, just in principal and interest payments. And that's a gift that'll keep on giving. Well, now, Governor, uh, um, one of the things that one of our features is the Montana Economic Minute with Dr. Patrick Barkey, who is on your housing task force. And his topic today was pensions. And, uh, and, and the theme was when you're in a hole, stop digging. Uh, so I was wondering if there's anything in your budget uh, to address some of the pension, uh, you know, refilling up the pension uh, funds, if that's possible. Well, we needed to take care of state workers, uh, and especially with all the inflation that we've had. So we did work with the labor unions. Uh, we negotiated a, a package that gives them a fair raise and gives them a bonus. Um, it, and yet that increase was still uh, half of the rate of inflation. Uh, but for pensions specifically, we're going to work with the legislature. There's a number of ideas kicking around about what we need to do there. Um, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll keep looking at it. All right. Now, Bob Seidenschwartz also here in the studio this morning uh, for the Montana World Affairs Council. So, Bob, you have a question for yeah, the governor. Uh, uh, good morning, Governor, and uh, thank you for your work. Um, I talk to businesses across the state of Montana on a not infrequent basis. And if there's one constant theme that comes up in terms of trying to hire workers, especially in a Bozeman, Missoula, areas that are growing rapidly, is the cost of housing. And when you're describing this task force, has there been anything that has come to light that addresses this issue? And separate from the task force, your thoughts on this, because... I hear this constantly, the biggest challenge, we can't hire workers because they can't afford to live in our communities. Yeah, Bob, I agree with you. I think the cost of housing, whether it's purchase or rental, is the number one issue facing working families in Montana. We, we want our teachers, our nurses, our policemen, and women to live in the communities where they serve. And it's just hard in places like Missoula and Bozeman and up in the Flathead. So uh, the, the committee gave me 18 specific ideas in their statutory changes. I get another report on the 15th of December. It's going to have regulatory. We've uncovered a number of things. And, and here, here's the big picture, Bob. Uh, we have people moving here. And, and demand for housing has outstripped supply. That's why we changed the apprenticeship. And, and to fix that, we got to increase the supply. So uh, we've been looking at how do we get more carpenters, plumbers, electricians. That's why we changed the apprenticeship ratios earlier this year. Our budget proposes doubling the amount of money for the trade scholarship program. So we'll pay any small business in the state 50% of the tuition if they want to send an employee to a trade school to become a carpenter or a plumber. And then this infrastructure issue came up as a big deal because all the existing infrastructure loan and grant programs for communities like Missoula or Hamilton or wherever would only pay for replacing existing infrastructure. Well, that doesn't help us put in new subdivisions. So we set aside $300 million in our budget specifically for roads, bridges, water, and sewer that are new. And, uh, and in conjunction with that, we have to make sure these houses are affordable. So we're going to tie – one of the recommendations of the committee was to tie density requirements and uh, smaller lot size requirements if you're going to use this expansion infrastructure money. So regulations are about 25% of the cost of a new home. Uh, we've got to peel some of that back and make sure we're actually building stuff that's affordable. Uh, along this uh, path of discussion, when you're talking about the trades, 
is Montana in a place where we have the type of institutions to provide the education? As an example, community colleges. Many states have that second tier of educational facilities that we seem to be lacking here in the state. And that seems to be a key, especially in areas like Missoula, Bozeman, and again, these rapidly growing areas. Well, I've been out at Missoula College and seen their lab. Uh, and so there, there are investments. We have 13 community colleges across the state of Montana, whether it's the Highlands and Butte, uh, Missoula College there, uh, Gallatin College, uh, 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 Flathead Community College, Miles City. But I think we've got to change the paradigm a little bit. And I've been working with OCHI, the Office of Commissioner of Higher Education, uh, and these colleges. We need to get more private sector engagement. Uh, this is why at the Department of Labor, uh, we've really been focusing. We had one of the most restrictive apprenticeship ratios in the country. Um, we required two journeymen for every apprentice. Well, we changed that at the beginning of the year, and we've more than doubled the number of apprentices in the trades this year. We went to a, you know, one, uh, one student doesn't need two teachers. Uh, so we went to a ratio where one journeyman can have two apprentices, and that quadruple, just Williams Plumbing in Billings, went from 35 apprenticeship slots to almost 200 apprenticeship slots just because of that one rule change here at the state. Uh, and, and we've added, because of that and the promotion we've done, we've added over 60 new employers to our apprenticeship and internship programs this year alone. So we're making progress, but we're not out of the woods yet. All right, now I'm going to jump in here and talk about uh, something I know that you're very excited about because I've been reading about it in your press releases, are the 12 days of giving and a very generous uh, to many organizations around the state. Yeah, so this is what Montanans do so well. They help their neighbor. Uh, so we started last year, and we uh, continued it this year. During December, we have the 12 days of giving. And each of the 12 days, we pick uh, a nonprofit that's doing important work uh, in communities across the state. And then when I came into office, I made the commitment that I was going to give my salary to charity. So this week, we're uh, delivering uh, we divided my salary up into quarters, and I've been delivering it to different groups. We started off day one over in Butte at the Butte Rescue Mission. We've been work. We work with the Montana Food Bank Network, based there in Missoula. Uh, Toys for Tots. Uh, yesterday, I was up in uh, Great Falls visiting with uh, Olymp uh, athletes at Special Olympics, and uh, and uh, we also had Childbridge in two days ago, which is a great group that's gotten, uh, uh, you know, we have the second highest number of kids in foster care in the country per capita. Childbridge, private sector, faith-based organization, they find permanent homes for kids. And the last year, uh, they worked with a thousand kids to get them into loving homes. And I was very pleased to give them a quarter of my salary to continue that work. Fantastic. And now, we do, we do have a caller, if that's okay. Of all, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. great. I, let me just say, the purpose of this 12 Days of Giving is to highlight these nonprofits and encourage Montanans to get involved. Maybe you can volunteer a little time. If you do have a little excess, maybe you can write a check. But let's help our neighbors. All right, let's get uh, Mike on the line right now. Mike, you're on with Governor Gianforte. Go ahead, sir. Hey, how we doing? Hi, Mike. Hey, uh, kind of a quick comment. Um, I'm from out of the area. I came from uh, California, and currently there's no reciprocity for me as a union journeyman electrician to come over and carry my license from California to Montana. 
So I don't know if that's something to look into, expanding the reciprocity with uh, union electrician with their state certification to bring it over from other states. So something to look into. All right. Thanks. Yeah, no, Mike, we're, we're, thanks, we're Mike. all over it. Uh, we, we, this is part of our red tape relief. Uh, we have a bill that would be put in front of the legislature. And it's not just electricians. It's, it's teachers. It's nurses. Uh, it's military folks. Um, and, and we've been very protected in Montana. So I had the Department of Labor and Industry go through their entire book of regulations, and we are pursuing reciprocity. Where national standards exist, uh, we want to adopt them instead of us having our own um, so that we can have reciprocity because that's one way we're going to uh, get more electricians and nurses and teachers. The bill, just to give you an idea of the magnitude of this, when I first saw the draft of the bill, just to clean up the licensure stuff, it was 400 pages long. And uh, we got it down to 200 pages by putting it in a smaller font. But we'll put that in front of the legislature. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to getting getting more reciprocity on these important uh, skills. Now, Greg, I know we want to be faithful to your schedule. You have a uh, schedule till 845. The phone lines are filling up. Do you want to, do you mind taking a break and taking some more let's calls? Take, well, yeah, let's take a couple more. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll take a quick break, come right back and talk more with uh, Governor Greg Gianforte right after this. Tax All right, Governor, Governor Greg Gianforte, thank you so much for being with us today, sir. We appreciate it. And uh, we've taken up your very valuable time. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Peter. Merry Christmas. And the same to you, sir, and your family. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, so uh, let's take another quick break, and we'll start uh, the Montana World Affairs Council on the radio with Bob Seidenschwartz uh, right after this timeout. Have you been naughty? For the cross. When you're high, you feel different. You think different, you talk different, you draw different, you listen to music different, but you probably knew that. Problem is, you also drive different. And not in a good way. That's why driving high is illegal everywhere. So if you're high, just don't drive. Make a plan to get a sober ride. Because if you feel different, you drive different. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. This is your captain. We are going to be experiencing some slight turbulence. Please fasten your... Oh, hold on. Just got a video of my cat. Imagine the pilot of an airplane was as confident as you are texting and driving. Seems kind of crazy when you put it like that. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Okay, we are back on Talkback. 721-1290 is our number. Bob Seidenschwartz here in the studio with the Montana World Affairs Council on the radio. Our special guest on the phone right now is Jason Yeager, an experienced leader with a demonstrated history of success uh, across multiple environments, including working in higher education, high-tech industrial manufacturing, and nonprofits, skilled in Operations management, leadership development, laser physics, research and development, physics and robotics, strong education foundation professional with a master's of science focused in physics from Montana State University in Bozeman, which would have endeared him to our governor. That's for sure. <laughs> right. Jason, welcome. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Um, I, I'm going to start with because uh, your time is precious here. I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. This is... Uh, a look at where Montana is today, photonics, your business in Bozeman. And we're going to take a little bit of a glimpse into the future as well, because this is a conversation that is going to touch on a lot of different facets of 
what's working, what some of our challenges are, and where some of the opportunities may be. So, Jason, I'd like you, if you could, please, start with telling the audience about photonics, what they do, its origins, your uh, role and uh, position at photonics, and um, let you give us some insights into this, please. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Um, there are so many exciting things happening in our community here. Uh, you've heard Montana referred to as the last best place or last best secret. seems like photonics here in the state of Montana, which is one of the leading areas in the United States for photonics, is also one of these best kept secrets. We're going to try to dispel that as much as possible today. Okay. So my background, I was born and raised in Missoula and came over to MSU and did my undergrad and graduate work in physics. Go Cats. Had to throw that in there, gentlemen. And I started working in photonics back in the early 90s. And back then, there were only a handful of companies in the Valley, uh, mainly because of people here who wanted the quality of life. But as the industry continued to grow, and primarily it was driven by the university with a pipeline of talent, that exploded from a handful of companies to nearly 40 laser optics companies across the state now. Uh, if we look at where we're at today, we have devices from Montana, uh, photonics devices, currently on all seven continents, orbiting the Earth in, uh, in space and satellites, and we have multiple devices here from the Gallatin Valley on the surface of Mars as we speak. So when people think of photonics, um, they're like, well, I know what a photon is, but what does this mean? Well, photonics is in all aspects of our life. Photonics is the study of light, the science of light. And that includes the cell phone you use every day. That includes the monitor you're looking at. But that also goes far and beyond. And so I just want to maybe color up a few of the applications that are here in our community here in Montana that are highlighting the technology of photonics. So we have a company here, Aurora, who has developed a LiDAR system. Have you gentlemen heard of the word LiDAR before? I have not. No, sir. All right. Well, LiDAR is an acronym, just like the word laser. And LiDAR stands for Light, Distance, and Ranging. And we have many companies here in the community involved in LiDAR. And so much so that we ended up hosting an international conference here in Big Sky this summer, where we had over 150 guests from around the world to discuss the cutting edges of LiDAR, where things are going. And we had multiple individuals from NASA, people from Europe, people from Asia, and it's really just beginning to explode. So an application of LiDAR, one of our companies in town, is Bridger Photonics. They just raised $55 million here less than two months ago in um, the next round of funding, and they're using LiDAR to fly over gas pipelines. And with this light that's being sent out, it's being absorbed by methane or gas leaking from these pipelines, and they can detect from the air concentrations of gas leaking. So you, you can imagine as climate change is a big issue for our community, for us as uh, humanity as a whole, Bozeman is having an uh, opportunity to help address that uh, across the U.S. That's one application of LiDAR. Another, there's a company here in town, Aurora, who just announced they're going to build another facility 
I believe it's almost 60,000 square feet here in the Gallatin Valley, looking to hire several hundred employees, and they're making LiDAR systems that go in semis. These are large trucks. And these LiDAR systems can send out a photon of light and get a reflection back from an object at a distance, which is great. You've heard of Tesla's auto drive, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, in these semis, there's no driver at all. So there is a fleet of semis going between Houston and Dallas as right now with no drivers. Say what? Montana, <laughs> yeah, I kid you not. There's a fleet of semis that are traveling from point A to point B, and they don't need a driver. So, so Jason, i got to stop you right there. No driver means what if you are a operator of these trucks? Is this somehow an economic advantage? What about road maintenance? Any, any number of issues? So kind of connect mm -hmm. us to the opportunity you're describing and what the advantages are. Well, that might dive a bit deeper into their specific application, but they have two that they're working on. And they've partnered with very large companies like Volvo um, to create fleets of vehicles that do not need drivers behind them, freeing up people. And as you have heard, and um, even the governor mentioned it, we have a labor shortage here in the U.S. We, have, we need skilled people doing jobs. And if we can automate and free up people, then they can work on other things. Okay. So that's couple on the industry side. Oh, what about the medical? What about the scientific? What about the security and defense? Um, photonics is involved with all of those. Um, I'm sure you guys are aware of the obesity problem that we've had across the U.S. that continues to uh, plague our youth. Yes, sir. Yes. Um, I learned just a few years ago that there's roughly 200,000 amputations each year through a lack of blood flow because of diabetes. Hmm. Tell you what, let's, let, let, let's stop right there because we're up against our hard break at the top of the hour. Really want to get into this. Uh, this sounds absolutely fascinating. And uh, I guess, uh, again, our guest on the phone is Jason Yaker, and he's talking about photonics, and we will continue that conversation when we return after the top of the hour. Fisher. When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends, surprise parties, camps, birthdays. The same way you plan for the important moments, start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Get started at ready.gov slash plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM, KGVO. Missoula's News and Weather Station. Hey, welcome back to Talk Back, ladies and gentlemen. Brought to you this morning by Phillips Janitorial, where they offer residential and commercial cleaning. And no job is too big or small. Uh, get your 
Get your job booked by calling 406-260-6617. Also brought to you by Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery for all of your New York favorites. They have New York cheesecake. They have lox. They have cannolis. They have it all, including bagel sandwiches, which are delicious as well, located out on North Reserve. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Hey, welcome back. The Montana World Affairs Council on the radio continues. Bob Seidenschwartz here in the studio. Nick Christensen taking your phone calls over there at 721-1290. And we continue our conversation with Jason Yeager. Bob. Yeah, uh, yeah, Jason, you mentioned several businesses, including your own, that uh, are growing rapidly, hiring people, uh, expanding. So uh, success is a fickle uh, mistress, so it comes with wonderful growth and opportunities it also comes with some of the issues that are vexing right now to many that are working in your profession and we see this across the state and peter mentioned the governor's comments about the collaboration or need to between private sector and some of these concerns so can you give us some of your observations insights and and let's let's jump right into this and hear what you have to say about that sure i'd be glad to so just looking at photonics as an industry, um, the average salary here in Montana in photonics is uh, roughly 72000 per year, employing uh, for 900 people. So we're talking greater than $50 million in wages for the state. However, uh, 900 people is not enough. It, it just simply isn't. So one of the challenges is that we're facing is creating a pipeline of talent for growth and expansion. Uh, just this last year, um, Montana attracted a large company, Hyundai, to Montana, who opened up an R&D facility here, which is exciting. They're going to do research and development for robotics here in the state. Wonderful. But the question begs is, what's next? Do they want to expand beyond that to maybe manufacturing? And if so, will they have the pipeline of talent of young people coming out of school ready to work? And it's a big question mark. I feel we're kind of at a cusp with this right now, whether we could take advantage of it. And yes, I do know that our, our schools, our MUF system is working hard to produce that type pipeline of talent. But as Greg said earlier this morning, changing the paradigm, we need more private sector involvement. And I could not agree more. Because I just heard two weeks ago that a company sent 200 jobs from Montana to Texas, because they simply didn't have enough people here that were trained and willing to work. Now, now uh, this is Peter, Jason. What what kind of training is required to jump right into what you're doing here? Or is it specialized? Do they have to come to you first? Well, it, it's across the board, because in any industry, you have people at, um, imagine a pyramid. You do need your PhDs in physics. You need your doctorates, but you only need a handful of them. You need your engineers, your electrical, your mechanical, your optical engineers. Um, and you need more of them than your PhDs, but even more so, we need people to put things together. We need technicians. And this is almost identical to the conversation you had with uh, the governor, Gene Forte, earlier today. We need people who can assemble. We need tech level skills. And we need a lot of these people. So seven years ago, the Montana Photonics Industry Alliance, where I serve as the president currently, worked with the Gallatin Community College to form a photonics technician program. And in seven years, 
we've had 100% placement of every student that's graduated from that program. Wow. So, Jason, is the current program, as it stands, sufficient enough to meet this growing industry's needs moving forward? Or are you looking at something that has been on your radar, which even though the governor mentioned we have community colleges across the state, are you not trying to develop a community college or an expansion of existing facilities in Bozeman? And if so, what are some of the challenges that you're coming across? Well, uh, one right off the bat is, no, it is not meeting the needs of the community. We are still being required to bring in tech-level skills from Waco, Texas, from Irvine, California, from Indiana Hills, Indiana, because we simply don't have young people going into the program in sufficient volume. And it's a multifaceted problem. So one facet is the young people simply just don't know it's an option. So to address that, earlier this year, the MPIA partnered with MSU's Community College and with the Montana World Affairs Council, and we put on a ConQuest, a two-day event that had over 150 young people come from across western Montana to learn about economics and to learn about career paths that exist here in the state. We had 16 companies, and we rented out the fairgrounds in Bozeman, and we flew drones, we had LiDAR systems running, we had robotics up and running, trying to create a sense of, hey, I didn't know we could do this. This is awesome. Not only are there viable career paths, but there there are careers that can have an impact on the world around. The other limitation is facilities. Uh, the Gallatin Community College right now, um, I believe it is across nine different locations in the Valley. And it makes it hard for young people. I was at a Christmas party just last night and uh, a couple sitting next to me said they had their foster daughter who doesn't have transportation is really struggling because she has to go from one side of the town to the other just to attend class. And with that, we're, we do have some yeah, we're, we're, up, we're up against a break here. By the way, we, we have phone lines open if you'd like to visit with uh, with Jason Yeager of Photonics. I mean, we're, we're talking about Photonics here. Yeah, we're also talking about the future of Montana, what it may look like and exactly. what these challenges are. So I hope people are listening to this because this is about Missoula, Bozeman, and the rest of the state. You bet. We're going to come right back. Uh, we'd love to have your phone calls, uh, your questions, or you can use the KGBO app and uh, send your question to Nick. We'll be happy to pass it along. We'll be right back. And we're back on Talkback. 721-1290 is our number. The Montana World Affairs Council on the radio. Bob Seidenschwartz right over there. Nick Christensen waiting to take your phone calls. Jason Yeager is joining us from Bozeman. Go ahead. Uh, Peter off air kind of uh, jokingly said, how about hiring a 70-year-old guy to teach him how to be a techie? (laughs) And it's a a joke at the same time. Not that Peter's joke, but saying that I had asked you something some time ago about some of the challenges that you're facing. And you had said, we really don't have problems finding people that are in that upper end of the requirements in terms of the business. It's the other portion, the techs, the folks that are required to put things together and such. So where are you running into these challenges? And are you finding some solutions for what you need to continue operations? That's a really good question. And we don't have a silver bullet for that. Um, Part of the challenge is... There's a paradigm within our high schools that if you want a successful career in America, 
you need to go get at least a four-year degree. And that is simply not the case. Right. Because we so see the question this- is, how do we okay. change that? Now, is uh, just looking at, at Missoula College right now, I know we have the beautiful new facility out on East Broadway, and we have uh, right next with the Montech, uh, the Montech Center. Uh, are, are you working with those folks, uh, especially with the educators there, letting them know this is what we need, and can you tailor a program to, to start feeding us students? You know, there seems to be a lot of dynamics within how academia works across the state and respecting geographic areas. Um, And frankly, we're fairly new to understanding how that all works. I will say this though, um, across the state in the last decade, there are only two higher education, part of MSU locations, sorry, MUS locations, that have had positive growth in enrollment. Um, And that is Gallatin Community College and MSU Bozeman. So we don't have as many young people going into either two or four year degrees. So we're faced with a couple challenges. In fact, this summer during our conference, we were meeting with the director of NASA Langley, Clayton Turner and Upendra Singh and discussing the aging workforce. Uh, We have a lot of talented people who are looking to retire in their near future. And we don't have the next generation ready to go behind it. And the question is, is what can we do now? So I do think part of it is simply awareness, creating uh, awareness in our high schools, in our grade schools, of the amazing opportunities that exist within our wonderful state. You don't have to leave here. There are jobs that will pay a livable wage. Some debate on what that actually is. And I think you hit, uh, maybe during the break you mentioned this, Uh, Our city centers are not the only place that businesses can set up. So this summer in June, Senator Steve Daines asked me to moderate a photonics panel at his On the Rise Economic Summit. And Governor Greg Gianforte Gianforte announced, yes, Montana is open for business. And it was truly um, an inspiring conference. However, when I asked my group of panelists, given the high cost of living, and most of these companies are involved in manufacturing, what does it mean to your company? And how do you think planning on addressing it? And two companies expressed their desire to move out of the urban areas, either out of the state or out of the city centers. Because frankly, it is just too costly to manufacture in, uh, with the demand for the homes we have pricing, housing, so on and so forth. And we can afford to pay our PhDs and our graduates uh, from uh, four-year schools. But our technician level, they're put in a bind. Tell you what, we do have have a a caller waiting on the line to visit with you. He is Jeff. Jeff, good morning. You're on with Jason Yaker. Go ahead, sir. Hey, good morning. Uh, I have two questions. One is kind of uh, in terms of the business aspect, and then one is a completely nerded out question because <laughs> particle physics is one of my uh, one of my passions. I think that's what you said. You had your degree in was was particle physics or um, physics in general, but optics specifically. Physics. Okay, um, but the business question is. 
we live. I live up here in uh, Lake County, which is one of the poorest counties in Montana. And we have SKC, Citizen Kootenai College, up here. We have SNK Electronics, uh, different folks uh, doing different things that I know. Of. I won't get into the details, but first question is: Have you uh, investigated Lake County at all as maybe a place to put some of this manufacturing? Well, in fact, Lake County is already involved in photonics. Well, just may not be as directly related as you would think. So there's a lot of manufacturing that's happening in Lake County, making components for the rest of the state, including photonics. Okay. Any 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 indication of expansion in that area or? Well, one of the challenges a lot of companies have and why they tend to cluster, Jeff, is because they're looking for synergies with other companies in the immediate area. And moving away from those clusters, even if it's only a matter of hours in a drive, does create um, more challenges to move forward, but not certainly not over uh, something that could be overcome. An example of that is a new high-end manufacturing um, parts manufacturing site opened in Big Timber, Toscano. And they have a state-of-the-art um, parts manufacturing facility. Uh, and they picked rural Montana because they have family in the area. Wow. So it is possible. It is possible. Okay. Go ahead, Joe. Cool. Okay, so, yeah, this is my nerd question. I, uh, I worked with... Uh, Radio theory in the Air Force for 28 years, particularly in the, in the uh, radar lane uh, area. So I understand all about electromagnetic radiation, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. how basically the spectrum goes from DC to gamma. Um, but this is a question no one has ever been able to answer me because we talk about lights as being light as being photons. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm warning you, this is a completely nerd question. Um, <laughs> But nobody has ever been able to explain to me when, as you go to longer and longer wavelength or low, uh, shorter and shorter wavelengths or longer, it doesn't matter which direction you go, lower frequencies, when does a photon cease to be a photon? And, uh, you know, because it's, it's all electromagnetic radiation, but the science tends to talk about photon only in the area of light and not down in uh, in lower frequency range, like, for example, the radio station frequencies that uh, we listen to, uh, uh, we're listening to you on right now. In my mind, that's a photon, but uh, people don't seem to think that's so. Am I just being overly nerdy? <laughs> Tell you what, I, I want, why don't you hold your nerdiness for just a second, because we're up against a, a, a genuine commercial break, so we, which is not nerdy. So we're going to come right back with more of, of the, these questions and, of course, with our interview with Jason Yeager right after this. Founded in 19- I'm Chris Jackamick. I served in the United States Air Force, and I've deployed three times. Being a veteran, it's interwoven into your DNA is really the absence of the connection and the purpose that can really drive a lot of veterans to some uh, negative thoughts. For those who are in a suicidal crisis, the window of time to save somebody's life is very short. Our duty is to protect ourselves and protect our families. And one way you can do that is store your weapons safely. Store all your guns securely. Help stop suicide. Brought to you by N Family Fire and the Ad Council. 
Hey, we are back on Talkback. 721-1290 is our number. And again, we want to say thank you to Jason Yeager for being with us this morning. And we do have an answer for you, uh, Jeff. So uh, go ahead. What, uh, you have an answer, Jason. Go ahead. Sure. Sure. So, Jeff, it's not a nerdy question. And you are 100% correct. Light is an electromagnetic radiation. And it goes all the way from gamma rays out to very long frequency radio waves. They are all the same thing. However, in nomenclature, we tend to think of photons or photonics around our visible range. There's what we can see ourselves. But it is all the same, just different frequencies. So you are correct. Okay, well... That reassures me in some sense. I guess I'm not. Uh, if I well, one again, this is another nerdy question um, because these are the sorts of things that keep me awake at night. Uh, and that's about uh, we, the physicists talk about dark energy out there. And my thought is, could dark energy be nothing more than photons that have a wavelength that's so long that we really can't. Uh, detect them, but they're out there as part of the formation of the universe way back when, and it's just uh, background radiation, but it's because of the long wavelength, it's so hard to detect. And then I'll, well, I'll Jeff, stop my nerdiness uh, Jeff, and let you get on to other questions. I think that question is Thanks, going Jeff. to exceed the time that we have. Yes. <laughs> but we do have other folks who want to visit with you, Jason. I believe Sally is up next. Sally, good morning. You're on Talkback with Jason Yeager. Go ahead, please. Thank you for having me. Thank you for an interesting topic. My background is community college education leadership and administration, and I'm kind of wondering two things. Uh, what are the budget consequences, and what are the, um, the second question? Um, I want to say when you have technicians, sometimes there's assembly lines, sort of a, a boredom because they're doing more meticulous day in, day out, same thing. Uh, can you project some sort of future problem that could be remedied before it happens? Um, that's my question. So basically, re 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 repetitive steps for for each along an assembly line process. Right. We have we have trouble with people wanting to stay in a job if if it's not productive um, financially or stimulating using their creativity at whatever level they they enter and um, we find that universities cannot possibly cover all the educational tasks that are ahead of a new profession mm -hmm. like what you're this sure. expansion you're talking about so I just wonder there's a lot of other things because we come from a CPA firm it probably we get into the practicalities of how do you budget this, and will it work? All right, thanks, so, Alan. Thank you. Yeah, sure. So uh, I guess I'll tackle the second question first about um, um, tasks that are repetitive. Um, there is certainly some of that in the technician level, but we work in an industry that is so dynamic and is changing so rapidly. It requires a staff with the same mindset that what you're doing today is probably not what you're going to be doing in the next few weeks. And it continues to change. Um, we also have career paths for technicians who go in and maybe they're going to step up and become a, uh, go into engineering. I started in production myself back in the early 90s and moved into engineering. 
or maybe they're going to go into customer service, but there are certainly career paths as they start um, at the entry level. So your first question was with respect to budget. Maybe you could expound a little bit. Are you talking about budget for the community college or budgeting for companies? Uh, she, she's not with us anymore. Okay. So I can say budgeting for the community colleges are very difficult right now. Um, I serve on six different boards here in the community, and one of them is the Gallatin Community College. In 2022, roughly a quarter of our budget revolved around rent. And looking forward in the future, we see that going up to nearly half. And so it is not scalable. So we do need other options. But in terms of budgeting for companies, um, that's a challenge because if we can afford to manufacture her, and Montana for decades had a huge competitive advantage. Um, it is and has been the case that Montana has a work ethic that is second to none. And we see this in our young people. The, the question is, is can we afford to pay them a livable weight and still produce and be competitive nationwide? And for years, companies would shut down manufacturing in other states and move operations to Montana. I even heard of another site doing that here last year. The question is, is as our cost of living continues to grow, Will that competitive advantage evaporate? Mm -hmm. All right. With that, we're up against another break. 721-1290 is our number. We'd love to have calls from you about this rapidly growing technology and, and the business model that Jason's talking about here. Jason Yaker joining us. And we would love to have your calls, your questions, your comments. It's 721-1290. We'll be right back. Missoula Electric Cooperative. And we're back on Talkback, uh, 721-1290. We had to let Jason Yeager go. He had a 930 meeting. Uh, and so, we again, we appreciate his time. We have learned a lot. That was just absolutely uh, yeah, we're, amazing. We're just kind of wetting the whistle here, right, Peter? This you is uh, so, so we'll have uh, open phones with Peter. Yes. Let's, let's continue this conversation. So um, yes. uh, we'd welcome participation, of course, of, as always, from our listeners. You know, I, I had an extensive conversation with him yesterday. And kind of crystallize a lot of just thought about what are the challenges? Mm -hmm. What are we up against? And, you know, uh, one of my observations is the issues that we're dealing with in Montana are not unique. You can look at prototypes across the country, different regions, different cities that have gone through rapid growth, rapid acceleration. And, and there's one thing that he said that really kind of caught my attention, which is clusters. When Jeff was talking about, well, could you move to the Flathead? These types of businesses feed off each other in terms of sharing information, right. collaborations. And you see those kind of clusters, whether it's Silicon Valley. It's cross-pollinization. Uh, right. right. And, and the clusters attract like-minded. And workers come in and businesses develop that are subsidiaries or entities that contribute to these clusters. So in time, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of the type of growth that takes place. And I don't have this answer, and I'm, I'm glad uh, Greg and others are working on this, until you solve the housing cost. If you heard what he said, yes. it's 25%, it's going to 50%. You can't survive as a business mm -hmm. and pay that right. without doing what? Well, providing housing. Uh, or passing the cost on right now to you and me. Now, what, 
Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Nick. Go ahead. I just say raise your prices. Yeah, you got to right. offset. Somewhere. Yeah. Now, 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 there is again. This this may be uh, kind of sound kind of weird, but in a situation like this where it is a uh, a rapidly growing industry that needs people, but the, and they have a they have a place they want to locate. How about this this company building a dorm, building a dormitory uh, that where where these people, if they're single or married or whatever, uh, like university student housing. I mean, if, if if this is important, if this is going to be a long lasting, long term business that's going to have a, a huge impact on a community, why why not let the company maybe work together with the civic leadership to create areas where they have housing that can be affordable to the people who work there? We've actually seen this uh, i don't know if i mentioned this to you guys we took a little trip down to jackson wyoming back in october right and every restaurant kind of hotel facility that you went into the people that were working there almost to a person were not from wyoming they were from a foreign country right yeah. so you had people from russia ukraine guatemala uh you know, Romania was a very interesting kind of conversation. So where do they live? <laughs> the problem is yeah. exactly what you just described. City of Jackson has had to come up with some type of dorm living situation because, as you know, communal, in Jackson... Communal living type. Yeah, I, you know, if you know the area, you can't live in Jackson right. on your own. You'd have to find several roommates if you could do that. So you go further and further afield, which when you're only making so much money adds cost and time. So Driggs, Idaho across the pass which if you've gone over that pass in the winter is hell on four wheels right. is where a lot of these folks are moving to so now that starts putting pressure on little driggs idaho so you're right peter the city and these businesses and to jason's point there's got to be private sector collaboration with the public entities as well all right let's uh, let's get uh, dave on the line uh dave good morning thanks for holding yeah um i had a uh uh, live in from Germany. A kid came to live with us for a year, and uh, Germany does a better job of, of government and business working together to help train individuals, you know, in and get them fit to, to go into the workforce, whatever that is. Um, in America, the tendency is to, business is to just wait for someone to show up at the doorstep who's trained, and. Uh, Whereas Germany helps the government helps them to train, you know, and then the, the business works with with uh, students better than the United States. So uh, I think we can learn something from them. How do they uh, how do they handle the housing situation uh, uh, in Germany? I, obviously, I, I don't know. I've never lived there. I, I don't understand that. But I'm wondering uh, once once they attract these people and they're trained, they've got to have a place to live. They, they certainly do, and I I didn't ask him much about the uh, the uh, living standards. I was mostly about uh, right. job sure. creation. Sure. So I'll have to I'll give him a call here one of these days and ask him about. Yeah, a lot of them just, I mean, they go all over the world because cause they're in demand. Sure. Uh, but some of them stay home and and uh, live with their parents a long time. They don't they don't get married very early in. Germany. They, they wait until they're practically in their 30s to get married. So um, household setups are, are not quite as immediate as, as it is with, in the United States where kids leave at 18. 
they I, just stay at home. Yeah, and uh, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely right, Dave. And of course, there there is a dearth. Uh, ask any employer in Missoula uh, when you drive past the Arby's and the and the you know the Popeyes and the you know whatever the fast food places are, starting at what sometimes sixteen, seventeen, eighteen dollars an hour to start. Uh, it, it it makes you wonder. Well, you wonder where inflation comes from. That's it, because when you have to pay the, the people that much to to work there, even in a in a medial type situation, then the product that you produce is automatically going to cost more, and then and right. then the price chain continues all on down the line. You know, I you know I do have a rental property, and I got a lot of calls from out of staters. I assume who wanted to pay cash for my house. Uh, my rental, and what they wanted to do was buy it uh, and raise the rent on the renters and and make the big money. And it, it became a nuisance with so many phone calls. But uh, I mean, out of state money coming in has made things worse here. I hear you. And, not, and Dave, that is kind of at the crux of what we were talking about earlier. That we're in this bifurcation right now in terms of Montana, and you know, you can call it the Yellowstone effect. Uh, it was happening even before some of these things even highlighted further. The COVID lockdowns and issue accelerated what was already starting and put unbelievable pressure, not just on Montana, but many urban areas throughout the entire Intermountain West. Yep, it, it is, and I'm not sure what the solution is. Uh, the, the solutions don't come quickly. And, and a couple of thoughts on your German uh, example. The prototypes are out there. As I was saying to Peter kind of off the air, there's nothing here that we have to invent. And I'm going to make an educated guess that when Jason was talking about the rise in economic summit that they attended, you had people coming from all over the world, all sharing similar types of experiences. But what may work in a Germany or France or the U.S. or Australia has to be looked at within the framework of the unique characteristics of each of these countries. So that you may be able to borrow some of this. Germany has a, I believe it's called gymnasium system, where you separate as you're going through your educational years to determine if you're a right. child to go to higher education. In that case, support and resources are there. Or you're going to go into some type of trade. Now, that's clearly identified in the German education system. You've got a very different education system here in the U.S. Can you imagine the challenges in the public schools of coming up with, your kid is not smart enough. Well, what do you mean? He's not going to university. He needs to go to a trade school and probably make more money than the kid <laughs> at the university anyway without the debt. But that's gonna, besides the I point. I was just going to add that. So you have circumstances that right. become very unique that are cultural as much as they are practical and business-oriented. Hey, Dave, we're up against a break. Thanks for the call, man. Sure. Always a pleasure hearing from you. We're going to come right back. 721-1290 is our number. 1-800-568-5309. Basically, ladies and gentlemen, this is open phones plus Bob. So uh, if, you, <laughs> if you have a comment or a, a question about anything, uh, it's open phones from now until the top of the hour. We'll be back right after this. Uh, stay with us. When it comes to real estate, hey, we're back. Uh, just uh, putting Bob's mind to rest. Uh, the Higgins Avenue uh, Bear Tracks Bridge. Yeah. Uh, temporarily today and tomorrow, uh, there's down to one lane of traffic. Uh, another lane has moved over to the Madison Street Bridge to do some necessary repairs. And that should be over by the end of business day on Thursday. So uh, along this line of economic discussion, some of the comments, we are very likely, folks, heading into a recession in 2023. If you look at the different thoughts from various economists, 
It's going to happen. The issue is how long and how deep. So a recession can also waylay the best plans out there, too. Without economic growth and development, the capital for continued improvement and efficiency also may temporarily get restricted. Dry up. So we're, we're constantly going through these contractions, <laughs> expansions, and it's stressful. I get it. So, Nick, do we have any comments, any calls? We, we have two we, callers. We do okay. have two callers. Uh, Don is waiting. Don, good morning. Uh, uh, yeah, Don, you're on Talkback. Hi, go ahead, sir. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, since we had all the discussion about training schools and whatnot, I just thought I would let everybody know that Plumbers and Pipefitters Local 459 here in Missoula has opened up their apprenticeship list for new applications. Um, if anybody is interested in applying to uh, get on our apprenticeship list, they can come to our office at uh, 1026 South 5th West here in Missoula or give me give the office a call at uh, 549-3479 for any more information. So, Don, what's the success rate when somebody goes and applies for the apprenticeship program? One, what are the qualifications that they have to have to even be considered? Um, honestly, it's any... Anything a basic job interview would require a copy of a birth certificate, copy of the high school diploma or GED, and a copy of a um, valid driver's license. You have to be a uh, minimum of 18 years old, and those are basically all state requirements. And that's really just it. Um, we provide all of the training here at our office on Fifth Street. It's a five-year apprenticeship, every, and we train in everything from plumbing, steam fitting, pipe fitting, uh, welding, HVAC service. And that's all done right here at no cost to the apprentices whatsoever. As far as the success rate, um, you know, you can't really put a number on that because it's it's based on the need at the time. And obviously sure. we have a huge need right now. There's no doubt about that. But it's really up to the comfort of the contractors as to, as to uh, how many um, heads they want to have in the, in the hopper. You know what I mean? And starting just kind of, is it, can we at least say what a starting salary would be, understanding those variables? You bet. Um, so apprentice, a, a brand-new first-day apprentice starts out at 50% of the journeyman's wage rate. Journeyman's wage rate for us right now is 36 13 an hour. So an apprentice is starting out at just a little over $18 an hour. Um, their wage increases are scheduled for every 1,700 hours that they work, they move from the first, say, after the first 1,700 hours, they would move from 50% of a journeyman's wage rate to 60% of a journeyman's rate, wage rate. Okay. So it's a fairly substantial uh, raise. You're looking at 2 to $3 an hour each each one of those stages. And, and right now, the vast majority of people that are working in the construction trades are working 2,000 or more hours a year. So you're probably, you're looking at your raises coming every 9 to 10 months generally. Okay. All right. Give, give us a phone number again. How can we find out more? You bet, 406-549-3479. All right, well, listen, best of luck to you, and thank you for sharing that with us. We appreciate it. You bet. You bet. All right, uh, Mr. Wingnut is up next. Mr. Nutt, go ahead. Well, good morning. And you know, this is a direct follow-up on the call we just had. You know, I'd like to express my appreciation that I was able to go through the four-year um, apprenticeship carpenters program over in Helena, 151. Uh, and then later on into the Millwright um, apprenticeship there too. Uh, and so great opportunity. And, and those were skills that stuck with me throughout my life, even though I ended up pursuing other avenues. 
Excellent. Well, we appreciate you sharing that. Thank you so and, much. And and finally, I'm kind of a solutions-oriented guy. So it seems to me that the immigration immigration from that has occurred around the lockdowns has been from states and cities where there have been you know, repressive Democrat administrations to places like Texas and Florida and Montana and et cetera, and, you know, South Dakota. So the solution is we either need to double down on educating folks in those states to, to change their uh, politics, or possibly we need to become a Democrat state ourselves and people <laughs> will flee from Montana. <laughs> That's my take. All right, Mr. Nutt, thank you so thank much. You. We appreciate that. All right. So, yeah, seven two one twelve ninety is our number. It, it never occurred to me the solution was very simple. Yeah. <laughs> so, Just drive people out of the state. Uh, you know, as I was listening to Nutt, it... And, and our conversation with Jason, you could reach out to many of the rural areas in Montana. As you mentioned, reservations, mm -hmm. there's kids all over the state. Every action has a reaction. So let's say hypothetically you get kids coming to these urban areas in the state of Montana where jobs and training is. Do they then go back? Do you reduce potentially mm -hmm. the availability of the workforce in areas that are generally losing population right. to begin with because of... A number of different reasons. Are, are many of those young people coming from farms and ranches to which they will not return? Uh, well, I exactly, which is another problem, uh, which we've already seen. So I know we have another yeah. caller here. Let's, let, let's get Jennifer on real quick. We have about two minutes. Jennifer, go ahead, ma'am. Okay, I just wanted to comment. I love the trades, and I'm, I'm thankful that we as a state are beginning to address that issue, but there's another factor that's going on. My son worked for Daly's Meat Market, was making pretty decent money mid-20s, and quit there for his own personal reasons, and now he's driving Uber, and he's making about $30 an hour driving Uber Eats. Wow. So that's hard to compete. I know. He works about two-thirds of what he did. He doesn't have any problems to deal with. He makes great money on days like today. He's got no reason to go after a trade or anything because the money's so good. Now, he, he's doing... comment. Thanks for... Can, oh, right, oh, all right. She's gone. Thank, uh, thanks, Jennifer. He's doing very well right now. I don't know if competition then could make... Like, if somebody says, hey, the kid's making a lot of money, I'm going to do the same thing. Next thing you know, you got 10 more people doing this. Maybe those earnings right now don't look so good. And these are the things you've got to consider. I, maybe they put a cap on how many Uber drivers in Montana or Missoula. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if it works yeah. that way, to be honest with you. Well, look, I, I, just, I know we're coming to the end here. Yeah. I want to yeah. thank you guys sincerely for all the years of being able to come on this show, bring these guests and have these conversations. I have to, and I hope we're moving the needle a little bit. I hope so, too. Yeah. And, uh, and Jason's I, comments are just the start of a long-term issue that we'll deal because, with. Because the nice thing, when, when you're here and when other guests like you are here, we open a window to a whole new world. Right. And, and uh, that is important for our listeners. It isn't just us yammering around about, you know, whatever, but we, we get to see how other halves of the world live. So, anyway, we're almost out of time. What's coming up tomorrow, Nick? Uh, tomorrow, we're going to talk with Forestry Specialist Peter Kolb about uh, those volcanoes that people have been cool. talking about. Cool. Yeah. All right. You guys have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow morning, bright and early at 6 o'clock.